1: Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and uh, we're here at Re- Heritage Radio Network um, at Roberta's Pizza. Uh, we are in the mental, middle of uh, quite a April shower session um, but that's all right. It's good for the plants, which we'll be talking about a lot t- at today's show. A quick word. Um, today, um, our s- program is brought to you by Edwards of Surrey, Virginia. The Edwards family has o- has joined Heritage Foods USA and Newman Berkshire Farm to develop an all-natural product line featuring Suriano hams, Berkshire smoked slice and slab bacon and Berkshire Sm- smoked sausage links. Um, new products are produced exclusively from purebred six spotted Berkshire pigs raised completely outdoors on independent family farms. Um, find out more about Edwards uh, cured, meat, cured meats at S W Edwards and Sons Edwards, That's the website. You can check them out. Um, so. You know, it's it's uh, always that time of the year when it gets mucky and rainy, but we have so much to look forward to, May flowers, as they say, um, but also edible greens. Um, we have a few people here who know quite a bit about that. Um, if you'd read my book, um, it's okay if you haven't, uh, it's called The Art of Eating Inn. Uh, there is a chapter all about my dabbles in urban foraging, um, it's called From the Land, and uh, on the... In the chapter, I go on a tour with Wildman Steve Brill, um, who most of you should know as the kind of the number one edible foraging expert. Um, Wildman is here today on the phone. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Sure. Happy to be here.
1: Great. Um, So, Steve, um, do you have any upcoming tours?
2: Uh, Yes, I have tours every Saturday, Sunday, and holiday in the greater New York area this Saturday, May 1st, we're going to Inwood Park in Manhattan. Sunday, May 2nd, we're going to Topstone Park in Connecticut. Saturday, May 8th, Muttentown Preserve in East Norwich, Long Island. Uh, Sunday, May 9th, Central Park. And if you go to my website, wildmanstevebrill.com, there's a lot of material about foraging there. And my tour calendar going up to... uh, December when we pick wild persimmons.
1: Wow, that's amazing. You're still, uh, it sounds like you're very busy, as usual, every year. Um, Congratulations on keeping that up after so many years, and I know you have a new book coming out, too. Is that correct?
2: Yes, yes. I'm working on a book called Foraging with Kids, for parents and teachers to use with kids to get them outdoors, get them hunting for the Japanese knotweed, uh, the cattails, the wood sorrel, all the renewable resources. They're very easy to recognize what to do with them, related games, science projects, stories, folklore, history, poetry, and a lot of my artwork and photography. So it's sort of a literary children's book focusing on foraging and fun.
1: Oh, isn't that fantastic? Forging with your kids. That's that's a great um, topic. So I know you have lots of other books. Um, you guys can check them out at com. They're great resources, especially if you can't go on one of Steve's actual tours. Um, but they're they're filled with illustrations, you know, the whole nine yards, recipes, which I love. Uh, we have a few other um, experts in the field, as it were, or the cities urban parks and cracks between the sidewalks, <laughs> um, we have Lita Meredith. Thanks so much for coming on air. My pleasure. Lita has a book called The Ur- uh, <laughs>
3: the Locavore's Handbook.
1: The, I was going to say The Urban Forager's Handbook. I, I just, yeah. The well, Loca- there is
3: a chapter on urban foraging in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And the,
1: yeah. And the book really covers the whole um, spectrum of foods for the locavore. And
3: uh, yeah, it's it's uh, The Busy Person's Guide to Eating Local on a Budget is the subtitle for it. And, and sort of for all of us in the city with crazy schedules and small apartments and can we still actually eat local organic and wild foods uh, and not go crazy.
1: (laughs) That's terrific. Um, We also have Ava Chin from the New York Times. She um, writes a lot about urban foraging. Um, You can check out, she's actually has a blog on the city blogs. She is the urban forager. Right, in the city room section of the New York Times. Terrific, thanks so much for being here Ava. My pleasure. So, what have you guys um, been finding lately that has really caught your attention? What's really great right now? Uh, anyone well, can start. I think well, I one just, of the I things just, that I really, um, sorry, enjoy the most is um,
4: because we had the sudden heat wave um, about two or three weeks ago. Yeah, lots of things are in bloom. The cherry earlier, blossom
1: came up way too early. Came and
4: went sadly. Yeah. Um, but in terms of um, dandelions. Um the blossoms were everywhere. And so one of the things that I really enjoyed doing um was recently plucking the dandelion blossoms and using them to make a jelly. Um what? Yes. And re- more recently too, um what I've been
3: doing is turning it into a dandelion wine. It's it right now it's hey, fermenting. In a I, actually I have a recipe for dandelion wine in my first book. You have to collect a lot of dandelions, but it's really good. Oh really?
1: Yeah. So flowers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's definitely
4: labor intensive and it's um, about as slow as slow foods gets, uh, that and acorns, um, but I think it's well worth it. it. It tastes like a summer field. It tastes like honey, actually, wild honey. Oh,
1: that's gorgeous. Does it age? Does it uh, increase in complexity and flavor with age you do do have to
3: age it for quite a a while um you know as with any homemade wine uh but yes like she said it's slow food it kind of (laughs) needs to lose the the yeasty flavor it's it's what she was saying with the flowers um there have been a lot of edible flowers right now the violets Mm -hmm. are blooming and i've been throwing those in salads and the red bud flowers which taste a little bit like peas which are one of my favorites um are still in season they're starting to finish up now red buds um,
1: yeah Steve, I know you have a special kinship with the violet flower.
3: Oh, definitely.
2: (laughs) Um, uh, Well, the violet originated in ancient Greece when Zeus got bored on Mount Olympus, came down to Earth and took up with a wood nymph by the name of Violet. He disguised himself as a handsome young man so no one could recognize him. But then he got afraid his wife Hera would find out, and he'd never hear the end of it, being that she lived forever. So he disguised Violet by changing her into a cow. And when he went home, she got hungry and started eating the grass. But it was tough, it made her mouth hurt. She started to cry and Zeus felt sorry for her and turned all her teardrops into violets. That's the origin of the violet. Now you may think this is a myth, but it actually is not because there's a second part to the story. I was doing a foraging tour a number of years ago And there was a beautiful, magical creature who attended the tour. We started dating. She loves nature as much as I do. First we went to the Galapagos Islands, then we went to Antarctica. And a number of years ago, we got married and uh, six years ago,
1: It's a girl.
2: <laughs> it's a girl, and her name is Violet, and if anyone ever turns in her into a cow, she already <laughs> knows what to eat.: <laughs> Yeah, And I've been also picking wisteria blossoms. Have any of you been using those? Yeah, They're yeah, just coming just to season. They're wonderful. I put them into pancake batter. I've made oh, wine no with wisteria, way. which is as good as dandelion wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also bake it into uh, muffins and, of course, uh, uh, put it on top of ice creams and cake
1: frosting. Mm. Steve, do you dry it out before you bake it into muffins or something no, like that? No, no? I, use, yeah. I use
2: them fresh. They lose a lot of their flavor when mm-hmm. you dry them. I tried that. I'm not going to do that okay. again.
1: Uh, those smell so good. And, uh, you know, pretty as a picture, you could just put in a vase and maybe uh, once you're done looking at them, you Nibble. could just snip them off. and. <laughs> that's fascinating though muffins wow so they're speckled with these beautiful blue bluish flowers
2: sure i have a wild vegetarian cookbook as well as a general id book and an early spring northeast book and uh, i certainly have a lot of wisteria recipes in the cookbook and they're they're delicious
3: yeah you've got the wisteria wine recipe in in the cookbook if i remember right
2: yes yes
3: wow my mind is and
2: i also recommend lita's book which is which is great.
3: Thanks,
1: Steve. Lena, <laughs> do you have a wisteria or edible flower um, more recipes in there? Or
3: I have a bunch of dandelion wine? recipes, okay. more than one, uh, in there, and then some other wild plants, not specifically flowers, but I've mm-hmm. got recipes like burdock stir fry. Uh, you can actually yeah. buy burdock gobo. as gobo yeah. exactly, but you, well, if you have the patience, you can dig it up. It's uh, notoriously difficult to to get but yeah. <laughs> well,
2: if, if you find the right spot where there's no rocks in the soil and you go after it rains and you have a shovel you can get a huge amount very very quickly i did that yesterday and some of the burdock is now simmering in a uh, soup with uh with nut milk with ramps uh with garlic some thyme rosemary and tarragon and uh, some Japanese knotweed that I that stayed fresh in my refrigerator because that season is over,
3: and they're, mm-hmm. they're
2: all they're all happily and s- simmering together with some miso and arrowroot pureed into the into the almond milk, and I'm going to have that soup when I get off the phone. But it was so easy digging up the burdock; I should have had it on put it on YouTube.
4: Oh um, wow! Yeah, it was,
2: it was just just the right place, and um, the place I went to had tons of um dryad saddle mushrooms have either of you used that one that's that's quite delicious
3: oh yeah, yeah. they're huge they are they're enormous <laughs> um i haven't haven't gotten those yet this year but i'm sure i will
2: Yes. Go to your spots now, because mm-hmm. everywhere I go, there are dryad saddles, and people are sending me emails, what's this mushroom? There's dryad saddle in Virginia, and my friend in Connecticut is getting them. We found them in Prospect Park. We found them in uh, Central Park, and they're just at the right stage. They get, uh, they get tough later on, and you can't use them anymore. And you could cook them, but then they're like cooked leather.
4: Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Has anybody been finding morels lately?
3: You know, I, the morel hunting that I've done is out of the city. I yes. have not had luck finding them in the city. So I'm looking forward to, in the next few weeks, hitting the morels. Especially in the Midwest, you can find tons. Yeah, of that's, them.
2: that's the place. I'm the world's worst morel finder. <laughs> and when I do find them, everyone on my tour gets them all except for me.
1: <laughs> Would a dog help out in those situations? Like yeah. a
3: truffle dog for morels? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs>
1: What about Chanterelles? Is that something anybody finds? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I that's love in them. the summer. That's like the end of July, uh mm-hmm. into into late August.
1: Do you think we could find those in like Prospect Park, Central Park, Steve, or?
2: I've found Cinnabar red chanterelles in Prospect Park. I've never mm-hmm. found the, uh, the orange chanterelles. I, have a, I do a tour in Sugar Pond in Hastings on Hudson, where if there's been rain, we get a really huge crop. And a lot of my tours in Connecticut have them. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen them in city parks, not that they don't grow there I just probably haven't come across them except no, for the
3: yeah, cinnabar red ones. Yeah, what about I. you guys? No, I haven't found any. No, just of them. the cinnabars like you. Yeah,
4: and then I found like oyster mushrooms. Oh, tons of oyster oh, mushrooms. In
1: Brooklyn. But, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my One,
4: favorite.
3: You know, the at um, Grand Army Plaza entrance mm-hmm. to Prospect Park, and there's a guy at the farmer's market who sells cultivated mushrooms. Sure, yeah. And he has oysters and hen of the woods mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And last fall, I, w- I had just done a tour in the park. And it was actually on the way back from the tour. I found just a huge amount of hen of the woods, with some people know as maitake. And I came out of the park at the farmers market, and this guy is hawking his wares. And he says, "Look at this fantastic, you know, maitake mushroom I have." Fourteen dollars for yeah, half exactly. A pound. And I let him kind of peek in my bag, and he started laughing and oh. said, "You're not going to be my customer." And I said, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Last year and the year before were great years for those. I've been I was yeah. finding them everywhere, Central Park, Prospect Park, Inwood Park, uh, where I used to live in Queens. They grew on the street trees in Briarwood um, uh, right in front of my door and across the street.
1: Is that where the oyster mushrooms always grow? No, those
2: were the maitake. Oh, oh wood.
1: okay. And they always are at kind of the base of... Pretty, they like pretty oak, big, they
2: like oak, oak trees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I have I have those on my website wildmanstevebrill.com, And as far as the oysters go, I have a really nice uh, oysters Newburg recipe that Ooh, uh, has that all of these high, high high fat uh, <laughs> cholesterol uh, rich ingredients when you make it traditionally. And I use alternative things that you buy in the health store um, that. Uh, don't have those ingredients, and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's cheap. I I'm really amazed because um you know oyster mu- all these mushrooms are such delicacies, and when you cultivate them, I, I don't know why it's so
4: expensive. But well, it's not it, even uh-huh. just the price. When you actually yeah. find a mushroom growing in the wild. That flavor is so Ooh. different. It's so much more it intense. Is. Um, I would say the same. I mean, the same thing is really true of the vegetation um, that you find all the botanicals, but the mushrooms. For some reason, they, it's, a, it's some like a diff- it's a huh. different animal. You get the terroir. That's yeah. It,
2: even even the burdock root. Yeah. I've had burdock root in restaurants, and there's just no comparison to what you dig up. You just need a shovel, a uh, uh, wet time, and a spot where there aren't rocks.
1: I think I once had a disappointment when I dug up a second year burdock root, which
3: is a mm. little uh, tough. Yeah. No, no yeah. good. <laughs> no, good. <right>? No, good. <laughs> no, no. no, no. no wait, <laughs> Forget what, it. what you want then are the flower stalks, the uh, immature yes, flower stalks yes. when they're coming up. <laughs>
2: yeah they're they're dying in their second year because they're a biennial, so there's nothing left in the root. all the energy goes into the into the leaves and into the seeds and into the burrs, and that's the end of the plant right, except for what remains on your clothes
1: <laughs> <laughs> and all the dirty dick. yeah, you know what you guys have brought up that's an interesting point about the the taste is so much better when you get it wild um, a lot of people will ask me, oh, but it's not safe, you know what about the city's toxicity? What about, um, do, you know, what if the Parks Commission sprays fertilizers all over the place?
4: Well, luckily with the recession, that really hasn't been happening in the last <laughs> couple of
2: years. Yeah, that stuff is expensive. <laughs>
4: <Right>.
3: <laughs> so let the weeds grow. That's their yeah. saying. Let them well, be. They, you know, there are certain uh, things that you learn about, you know, not to harvest too close to a super heavy, heavily okay. trafficked road, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and things like that. But, um you know, yeah, I, I feel pretty healthy. Right.
1: <laughs> like, it's just, I, I do too. It's just yeah. that I, I you know, people are really concerned. And, you know, I saw this also too in, you know, talking about urban agriculture in the city. People concerned about the quality of the soil. And I, I would assume. You know,
3: there you are some plants that actually are so good at storing toxins and heavy metals that they can be used to clean up soils but that also then means you don't want to be eating them if if they were growing somewhere that had you know lead in the soil or something um alliums all the onion family are on that list Mm -hmm. but if you're if you're in the parks you're pretty far away from you know major roads or anything
1: would you guys advocate only foraging then in parks which are you know contained areas uh There's wow. not supposed to be, like, you know, industry, you know, chemicals.
4: Well, l- let's put it this way. Um, in terms of, I, I won't say anything about the parks, but um, one of the first times I found a wild carrot was in the Brooklyn Naval Yards, right? <laughs> now, of course, you use your head, right, when you're foraging. I'm, you know, I wasn't going to eat something that I found in the Naval Yards, right? Um, precisely because you don't know what's in the ground and you know for a century they've been working on that ground right using heavy metals so you have to be careful um but you know i think you just have to use your head about where it is that you're foraging from and also you can learn to
3: id the plants even in areas that you can't harvest them so like you know if she's finding exactly. the wild carrot somewhere that is not good to harvest but at least then right. you've identified the plant and then you can find it in a safer place
2: Right. Yeah, well, of course, with a wild carrot, you also have to beware of poison hemlock. There are many wild plants like dandelions and mulberries and cattails that have no poisonous lookalikes, uh, but the wild carrot does. They're not that hard to tell apart. Uh, they may look alike, but they are not smell-alikes. The wild carrot smells clearly and distinctly like a carrot, carrot, and the poison hemlock smells sort of like a dead mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Close to, and then the place to collect those is in sandy fields near the seashore. That's where they get big. If they're competing with grass and a lawn, they're the size of the graphite and a lead pencil. But if they're in a a field in Fort uh, Tilden Park or uh, empty lots in Rockaway then you get substantial carrots and you don't even need a shovel, you just reach in and pull. They are way more flavorful than the commercial carrots. They're not as sweet and they have a much better texture when you cook them. So they don't turn into mush when you put them into carrot cake soups or cookies. And uh, they're still in season now, but they're going to be going out of season pretty soon okay. as, the, as the growing parts of the plant take up the nutrients from the roots. And then the first-year plants that don't have the queen anne lace flower will go back into season at the end of September and stay there all winter. And as long as there are still some fragments of leaves up, which you can get well into December now with climate change taking hold, uh, you can dig them up even in the winter.
1: And you can eat the greens, too, the, the beautiful feathery carrot greens.
2: Yeah, they're edible. I, I don't really yeah. care for them. What do you guys do with them uh, to put them at the same level
3: as ramps or
2: daylilies or
3: violets? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, do. I mean, I've, I've played around with that, you know, just mincing them and using them as a seasoning. But um, yeah. there are so many other things that are so the much better. better.
1: I, the only thing I've ever done maybe is, like, cook them down in a big gumbo zerb stew, mm-hmm. which is, like, this big... You know, greens. Oh, and I, ju-
2: and I just answered my own question. I forgot. I put them into stock. If i make stock, I, that I mm-hmm. boil yeah. carrot tops and uh, any yeah. other any other greens that are a little bit past that I have in the refrigerator. Potatoes, onions, garlic, savory herbs for a couple of hours, and then strain everything out and use that as a base for soups and sauces.
1: Hey, wild greens stock. Mm-hmm. That's going to be my new veg- veggie stock. <laughs>
3: Well, a lot of, you know, she was talking about the stronger tastes in some wild foods. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that actually means they're more nutritious um, or have properties, have phytonutrients in them that are immune system boosters and Mm -hmm. things because those strong tastes can indicate Mm -hmm. the presence of alkaloids and essential oils. Which have medicinal properties, so you know I think your wild soup stock is probably going to be yeah, healthier than the true. regular kind. It'll be right.
1: like a tonic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and When I
2: when I first started foraging, uh, there was uh, no one no one ever heard of the word resveratrol, which is the stuff in red <laughs> wine that. Um, um, helps lower cholesterol and protects you from heart disease. And, of course, that is in a berry that we all love called the autumn olive berry, one of the best-tasting fruits in the world. And I just recently found out that the wild mulberries, which you can get gallons of by shaking the branches over a drop cloth, have resveratrol, too, and that may even slow down aging. That's uh, like the hot topic in uh, anti-aging, uh, oh. uh, anti-heart disease research and um, uh, there are also uh, plants that are loaded with lycopene, which
1: okay, yeah.
2: which were not known when I started doing this stuff. And the, most of these plants haven't been, even been researched for nutrients and phytonutrients. So you eat this stuff, you're almost certainly getting things that may be discovered in another twenty years <laughs> that are going to do you a lot of good, and they taste great.
1: <laughs> totally. I mean, mulberries are right beneath or uh, above our heads, um, and people don't think of them really as food. Except for the
3: birds. I, you know, people I just, complain about them littering up the sidewalk. And, and I've got a neighbor with a, a great mulberry tree, and he's thrilled. We have a deal every year. He uh-huh. calls me when it's time, when they start mm-hmm. dropping. And I come out, like Steve said, with the drop cloth. And, mm-hmm. uh, Let's make some jam. <laughs> and exact And I, I use the mulberries, and I love them. And he gets a clean sidewalk. So it's a win-win situation. Okay. Yeah. 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 Jam, ice cream, pie,
2: uh, puddings. You can put them into almost any kind of fruit dessert. They're not as sour as the berries you buy in the store. So a little bit of lemon juice, lime juice, or sumac concentrate, that's another wild plant that gives that's you okay. a sour flavor, uh, seems to enhance the flavor.
1: Yeah, I, I feel that some people like less tart berries, too. They find straw, or blackberries, uh, raspberries a little too mm-hmm. tart for their tastes, so... Mulberry well, is a good compromise. I, Ava, think, do you I, have, I would say that the only other plant that I can
4: think of where, um, or, or tree that I can think of that has a seed or a fruit um, that uh, people, d- some people don't like as much, um, probably are the ginkgos, mm-hmm. right? Because of the way that they smell. But it's the same kind of symbiotic relationship that you can have. If you have a ginkgo tree outside, as many of my um, friends and a lot of Brooklyn residents do, you'll often sometimes see in the, in the you know, roundabout November or so, um, lots of like older Asian um, grandmotherly types going to collect all the ginkgo ginkgo nuts right at the bottom and it's it's one of those things I think where it's like particularly if you grow up in the city and you Mm -hmm. don't know what it is you can be very suspicious of it Um, but in fact it's actually the nut is really quite delicious you know once you get past the uh, putrid smelling (laughs) fleshy part right
2: the, the fruit you just discard And uh, the the ginkgo actually saved the lives of some kids. In the Chinese version of Little Red Riding Hood, um, there were uh, three sisters and the older sister saw through the disguise of the wolf and they went out into the back uh with the disguised wolf to collect ginkgos for the grandma to who was actually the wolf uh to make her healthier and they had a pulley and a rope may uh, all the, the older sister got the two younger kids safely away from the wolf up the ginkgo tree and then she um used the pulley to get herself up in the ginkgo tree, and then the, the wolf wanted to come up, too. And uh, she pulled the wolf up and then let go of the, of the rope. And that was the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Chinese Little Red Riding Hood. But it was the ginkgo tree that saved them.
1: I can believe it. I, I mean, it's a, it's a power plant, as, as they say. The ginkgo has so many different benefits. Yeah. Eva, what's something you like to make with the nuts?
4: I really base I like to do it very plainly um, once you crack through the hard outer shell. Um, I like to just saute it mm-hmm. in a little bit of olive oil with yeah. salt and pepper, which is like a pretty kind of traditional way to do it. It's got the consistency of edamame
1: right it's right like a um, it's kind of chewy earthy bean yeah,
4: one. and then once you um, saute it 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 turns in this incredible jade like color.
1: Mm -hmm. it's like slightly
4: translucent they're really really nice Mm -hmm. um and i just do it with salt and pepper i mean you can do it uh one of the japanese style ways to do it is you put it on a skewer yeah you kind of like eat it as a it makes a nice party order yeah you you know
3: serve with your other wild foods
1: can you steep it and make some tea no, yeah, the, the, I've the, done done that. Okay. Yeah, If you're
3: thinking like the tincture that people take from memory and yeah, things I'm like just that, that like that's like not made Chinese out of the medicine nuts, medicine right? That's the leaf. Sm- that's oh, the leaf, leaf. okay. Yeah. All right. But
2: I would, think, I would think the nut would have the same nutrients, so you don't even have to make the tea.
1: But with protein, and right?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I don't, don't do well with teas anyway. They're diuretics, and then when I run into the bushes, 30 people follow me to see what I'm going to find. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what I what I like to do, uh, I, I put the ginkgo in rice dishes, I put it in soups, I put it in stir-fry, and uh, they have a fermented flavor to them. I'm a vegan, I don't eat cheese, so if I want to make a cheese mm. salad dressing, I'll put in uh, oil and vinegar, Um, maybe some lecithin granules uh, or miso to make it a little thicker and add some salt to it. And then I put in the, all goes into the blender, I put in the ginkgos and the brewer's yeast. And between the uh, two cheesy fermented flavors, you get a vegan cheese salad dressing.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's
2: uh, that's another one in my cookbook.
1: That sounds fabulous. Because you know my my thoughts on you know fermented fermented beans is you know usually tofu or miso, fermented stuff, and and that's a great addition to that grouping. You can make it yourself naturally. Wow.
2: Sure. Oh, one one sure. other thing we'd mentioned stock before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to make a fish stock, there's a seaweed called rockweed. That's the most common seaweed, and it has a nice uh, fishy flavor. And uh, you put in your carrots and other vegetables and a little bit of wine and some seaweed and simmer it, very similar to the French uh, traditional classic fish stock, except you're using the seaweed instead of the fish bones, and you get an incredible fish stock that you can then use to make uh, a vegan fish recipe. Oh, my
1: gosh. That is just fascinating. You can just substitute. This is like magic. (laughs) I'm learning so much. Um, We could really go on here forever. Unfortunately, we're just about running out of time. Um, I just wanted to ask you all a final question. Um, What would you make for a wild forage feast or dinner that would be really impressive for someone you might want to go on a date?
2: Well I, I did that and we got we got married. <laughs> um, I made I made oyster I made Oyster Newberg for my wife when I when I first uh, met her. Now that I made cool. mulberry vegan mulberry ice cream. I made a oh, salad wow. with ramps and violets and curly dock. Um, I remember what uh, what other what other greens, uh, purslane, just everything that's uh, that's out there with the ginkgo salad dressing, which is her favorite dressing. I think that's what she married me for. Oh <laughs> my
1: goodness, what a success story! That's terrific. How about you guys? Um, let's see. Well, something per- impressive, you know, like something one of my meal favorite, worthy. one of my favorite things
4: to do um, with daylilies Right, Mm -hmm. which were, they're they're now, the shoot anyway is sort of past the season. Um, You can wait um, until the blossom comes out in the summertime. Um, But what I like to do with daylilies, um, they're a wonderful shoot when they're in season. Um, They taste a lot like a cross between, well, from from my mind, they taste a cross between um, a snap pea um, that tastes kind of Mm sautéed and like a wonderful oil. Nice, crisp. Yeah. yeah. And what I like to do is I like to turn it into a ricotta pie. Oh, gosh. Um, um, and do a like a nice little lattice work on top oh, of it, wow. and bake it for about forty-five minutes or so. Beautiful, <laughs> it's pretty yummy.
1: Beautiful.
2: That sounds wonderful.
1: It does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I think, um, Lita,
3: wild mushroom risotto is oh, hard to yeah. beat. So if it's a, especially in the fall when all the wild mushrooms are that's abundant, and yeah. uh, that's near the top of the list. And I have yet to meet anyone who could resist my spice bush ice cream. So <laughs> that's up there too. Spice bush ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that's something to look forward to this
1: summer. Yeah, Yeah, and the mushrooms for the fall, definitely. Well, here here we're in the throes of spring, so I hope everyone goes out and enjoys it, and um, you can follow um, what these guys are up to Check out one of their walks. You know, wildmanstevebrill. Check out um, Lita Meredith. Uh, what's your website? Lita, Meredith.com
3: Lita And just Meredith click on the on the Urban Homestead link, and you'll get all my classes.
1: All these classes. Yeah. Ava, do you teach classes too? No. I
4: teach journalism and creative uh-huh. writing to my students. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the The foraging for me is more um, about the writing, right. about foraging, and 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 for me personally, I'll go out um, and I'll take friends here and there. Right. But yeah. for the most part, it's 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 a little. I'm a little bit more like. Thorough yeah. <laughs> walking through the woods, except it happens to be Brooklyn. Well, I'd
2: love to have you as a guest expert on my tours, of course, either of you if you're ever free.
4: That would be
1: fantastic. We but should great. get together and do this. That would be great. Um, so For the thank- three of us. Yeah. 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 Sure. And I, I should bring a video camera. All you videographers out there, get on this, please. Let me know. Um, okay, so thanks so much for being here. I know you have to run off. Um, while, uh, Steve, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule. I okay, hope happy, you have that great foraging.
4: lunch. Happy foraging, thanks. everyone.
1: Hey, happy foraging to you. Happy foraging too. to you. And I wanted to thank the producers, Jack Inslee, Nat Wiener, everybody at Heritage Radio Network. We'll be back, back next week. Our sponsors, Edwards of Surrey, Virginia. I'm Kathy Arway, your host. Thanks so much.
0: you love.